Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. Amid global inflationary pressures, some experts say investors may be able to benefit from leaning towards private markets for better future returns instead of sticking to the traditional 60-40 portfolio this year. And in recent years, an increasing number of private clients in Asia have been seeking to diversify their portfolios by including longer-term private asset investment strategies. So to find out whether there are opportunities in private markets that offer institutional investors to tap into untapped markets with higher expected growth. Joining us on the phone today to tell us more is David Z. Wang, who is the CEO of fintech and investment company Helicap. David, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me today. Hi, thank you for joining me today. Okay, so Let's just begin with the basics. Are more Asian institutional investors leaning more towards private equity and debt markets from public markets? What's driving the shift? Yeah, thanks, Hongbin. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, we started Helicap five years ago mm-hmm. to, to exactly solve this problem. Um, so a bit of background on myself. I actually started my career in 2007, 2008, the last uh, global financial crisis. And I worked for investment banks uh, covering public markets. Mm -hmm. And and then I left banking and and set up this company because I think there was a strong view of two things. One is there's a huge growth in Asia, Mm -hmm. especially Southeast Asia. Two is I think investors were looking at a lot more sophisticated products. They're looking at diversifying away from what you read in Bloomberg and on the press uh, into uh, products that could help to diversify and stabilize the portfolio. Okay. So, so uh, clearly we're seeing a lot more interest, mm-hmm. not only from Asian institutional investors, but also global institutional investors uh, and also private ind- individual investors. Mm-hmm. So what, what's driving the shift though? Yeah, I think this has been really accelerated by, you know, a few factors, right? Uh, if you look at the year 2019 to 2022, which just ended, uh, I think this is one of the most volatile markets in the history of all markets. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I don't even need to say what happened. Everyone knows. But, you know, I think investors made money, lost money, uh, and then went on a huge bull market, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but we know there's a few things happening, right? There's inflation, which is going uh, to creep up for the first time in more than a decade. Right. There is general equity slowdown. There is a which translates into a technology company slowdown as well. Mm-hmm. And of course, the political risk, right? So this makes investing in public markets extremely difficult, mm. uh, very volatile. There are very few winners. Uh, even if you look at the hedge fund space, most hedge funds don't do well, but a few do exceptionally well. Mm, okay, okay. So what are some of the key trends that you're seeing in institutional investors when it comes to, you know, allocating their assets in private markets? Are there like key attractions of higher allocations to private assets compared to public markets? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you look at some of the research that come out, uh, for example, KKR suggested that clients would have to move away from the 60-40 strategy, mm-hmm. 60 being public equity, 40 public fixed income bonds. 
and add private investments. Mm. Um, an interesting one is KKR mentioned you should add 10% allocation to private debt to stabilize okay. the portfolio. So that's one of the trends we're seeing. Uh, again, when we started five years ago, we had to do a lot of education. Mm. Now people are, and our investors are asking, how do we do it? Right? Do we go direct? What are the opportunities? What are the risks? Mm. So there's an increasing awareness in this space. Um, which is fantastic. Okay, okay. So let's just focus in Asia right now. Which types of private clients in Asia are driving this kind of trend? What type of deals are Asian clients buying into? Right. So for Asia, it's really fascinating, right? Because for the last, I guess if you look at probably driven by by China the last 20 to 30 years, Mm -hmm. we have seen a, a huge rise in the middle class and also the uh, high net worth individuals, right? Okay. Also, a lot of business families have either grew their business nominally or they have exited their business into cash. Mm-hmm. So even from the banking side, when I was there about you know seven years ago, it was very evident that there was a lot of capital coming into the space. Mm-hmm. And, and this really translates into deals, translates into investments. And a lot of these Asian investors may not want to just put all the money in the U.S. stock market, which has been a very popular place. Mm. They, want, they want to invest in things they understand. They want to support the economy in Asia as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this has happened. Obviously, the rise of the family office. We sit in Singapore. I think there are hundreds of family offices opening every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are family offices that are run by professional investors, by second generation and then they're all looking at ideas on how to generate a return for their capital. Mm, okay, okay. So what are some of the key opportunities in private markets right now? Yeah, so so obviously I run a private debt firm, so I have to say that that is a very key opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, pretty much I think investors are getting quite smart and savvy. There's a lot of information you can get online. Uh, a lot of managers and a lot of uh, contacts you may have can give you a view. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, there are kind of like three areas with key opportunities, right? I can see first is obviously manage um, investment accounts because private investments is not easy to manage. You would need either your own professional manager or you can uh, engage someone like Halicap or even a BlackRock or KKR, for example. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Number two is I think there's a bit more uh, education needed on long-term investing. So obviously a lot of the investors in the past did not want to invest in these funds. Mm -hmm. But there are funds that are shorter duration, uh, a bit more liquid. These are coming out in the market as well. So instead of getting locked up for five to 10 years, you could do something for two years. Mm. And the third is there are a lot of unique opportunities coming out uh, deal by deal where um, innovative companies structure deals and and allow investors to join in twice net as 100,000 US dollars, for example. Mm. So I think there's a lot of opportunities in this space. Uh, and obviously in, in respective sectors and countries uh, in Asia as well. Mm, okay, okay. What about other private assets, you know, for example, real estate or alternatives? Are there strong opportunities there too? Yeah, definitely. Um, real estate is a classic, uh, extremely popular asset class. I think it's, I would say, it's fairly old school as well. Uh, in the past, uh, businessmen would make money and, and buy land or property. Mm. And and in the last 34 years, actually, you wouldn't have to do anything. You would probably make a very good return. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. Uh, but I think with interest rate rising for the first time in decades, let's face it, right, the margins you make from real estate decreases, right? Mm-hmm. For example, if you used to do, a, you take a $1 million loan, 
10,000, what, 1%, you pay 10,000, now you might have to pay $50,000, right? Mm. So that may not even cover your, your rental that you receive from right. your tenant. So that's one challenge. Number two is the last 10 years, we've seen a huge movement in the venture capital world, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm pretty much involved in that part of the business as well. And mm-hmm. then you've seen some of these companies go up 100 times, 50 times, and many VC funds raise billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Again, it's quite clear from last year, this business is declining or or it's not growing as fast. So, so you do have a slowdown, and that's also related to the equity markets where you don't have the growth opportunities. And of course, I think the last part is infrastructure, commodities. These are real assets, they are real businesses, raw materials, right? So these, are, again, are, are very niche opportunities that we see. Okay, okay. So overall, can investors benefit from leaning towards private markets for better future returns? Would you say this is a good time to be expanding in this market? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, like I mentioned, the last three years would have, uh, you know, if you plot your general portfolio with your bank on a month-to-month basis, you would have seen a huge spike up and down. And and to be honest, if you're looking for a stable long-term capital, this does not give you a good night's sleep. So I do think that investors are starting to, and, and, and again, we are getting calls, you know, uh, a lot of calls every day from potential investors asking us how they can invest. And I, I think I would just end off with the same, you know, they, they have reports that say instead of the 60-40 strategy, mm-hmm. uh, one investor should move towards a 40-30-30 strategy. Mm. So 40% public equity, 30% public bonds, and 30% private investment. Okay. So you have a 70% kind of liquid position, and then mm-hmm. the 30%, because private investments, you know, it's diversified, it's stable, it's marked to maturity. You have a lot more of a stable piece there that can that can really form a very good foundation for the portfolio. Oh, okay. Do you have any advice for those institutional investors, you know, looking to tap into this untapped market for higher expected growth? Yeah, I think, um, look, uh, private investment is a lot more uh, developed mm. in, in the West, right, in Europe and in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Asia, you know, Hong Kong is probably quite robust. Singapore is decent. But I think it's very important for investors outside the region to partner with someone with boots on the ground, a local partner, so that they can co-invest and, and obviously have good teamwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, capital is, is always evident, right? But I see a lot of institutional investors, they put three staff in Singapore and then, you know, and they expect to do billions of business here. I, mm-hmm. I think it's not as simple as that. And it may not even be Singapore, right? You probably need to have a team, solid team in Indonesia, mm-hmm. um, you know, with uh, deep roots there. So mm-hmm. I think for us, uh, at least at Helicap, that's something we want to do to build a network uh, in the region. Okay. Well, thank you so much, David, for joining me today. Uh, pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We've been speaking with David Z. Wang, who is the CEO of Helicab. Stay with Money FM 89.3.